0: Welcome to another American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin
1: in Chicago.
0: And with me today is Galley. as always. What's going on,
1: Galley? Not too much. Brutal day yesterday. Brutal day. Oh,
0: yeah, we'll get past that, hopefully, eventually. But we have quite a treat for everybody today. First of all, Paul isn't here. So that's a treat by itself, I think. But aside <laughs> from that, uh, Paul is actually celebrating birthday of the little one out partying that way. Uh, so we are missing him, but to fill in for him, we had to find a bunch of people. So we will have uh, some of our contributors join us throughout the broadcast and as well as some of our like regular followers and listeners who weekly comment on our podcast as we do this live broadcast. So it should be interesting, Gally, and no poll here. You know what that means. You're going to be tortured yourself only by yourself with a regular trivia section
1: oh and here i thought we might actually avoid the trivia without the bickler
0: i did actually throw that out there but bickler said if you if i don't do it because he's not here he will never come back so just to get paul back in here we're gonna have to torture you here we go and but in paul's honor i figured we would go with paul's favorite player divak origi this week so divak the man of many and odds goals and the question is going to be the many parts how many goals has dibock scored for liverpool this is everything uh not only the league uh, but everything else total goals scored and i'll even tell you how many appearances which is kind of deceiving for him i guess but 164 appearances how many goals do you expect
1: la 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 la.
0: 29. Uh, Okay. Well, that's not it. (laughs) But it's actually pretty darn close. Uh, I was almost expecting uh, somewhere around there and semi-pleasantly surprised. I think it's just weird that most of his goals are so memorable. It feels like there should be a lot more of them, but unfortunately there is not. He did score a beautiful goal this week again, but uh, we'll get to that. I figured this week we go in time order. Uh we'll come back to the answer afterwards, but we'll kind of like go with the time order. Uh we'll start with the Champions League game midweek, and then we will kind of like go from there and come to the West Ham game. Save the worst for last. Uh I guess it will do that. Uh so Champions League game. We kind of like talked about it and we were kind of questioning of you know how it's gonna go and everything like that, and it probably we couldn't have asked for anything better in terms of how the game went, how the result is. And aside from probably Bobby's injury, it could not go any smoother, right?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a perfect afternoon out on the pitch, right? Um, we were pleasantly surprised. I think most of us were calling for Samikas to get another moment, whether it was that match or the West Ham match. He got his start. He played well again. And I thought that was great for him, for the squad. And just for the team in general, I'm sure we'll get to talking about the red card, how it changed the match, a few of the other kind of dark arcs tactics that they uh, employed. But uh, all in all, what a great afternoon. What a great Anfield night.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some weird calls. I mean, the red card, I did not see it coming, for example. But so let's bring first of our mini guests this week so first off we have darren Daz joining
2: us darren welcome to the podcast hiya hiya lads yeah, alright.
0: Uh, we're hanging in there and this is a great time for you to introduce yourself and probably do a shameless plug on the podcast you guys have an Please. awesome podcast i've mentioned it on air several times but coming from straight from you is probably going to be a lot better
2: so is this like tinder
0: Kind of, sort of, but hopefully nobody will swipe.
2: (laughs) I'm a Virgo. (laughs) Hi everyone, my name is Daz, and um, I have a podcast called the Liverpool Connection Podcast, and um, it's basically where we bring on guests to tell their Liverpool stories, whether it's uh, ex-players, musicians, uh even mps we've had and uh liverpool fans so yeah uh, been doing that for the past like two years our 100th episode comes out next week with uh craig johnston which man he's mental by the way and uh yeah he shows a bit too much skin in the uh in the video so if you're just listening to the audio it's probably better
0: well that yeah good notes good tip there
2: (laughs) yeah yeah no he's a he's a character i mean i always knew he was you know a bit you know left of center but not not you know that naughty very smart man but you know a bit bit nuts but you know aren't we all oh we
0: definitely are yeah (laughs) so let's talk about the game i know we were kind of like talking about it off air but what did you make of the champions league game obviously like you know in terms of as I was selling galley and far from like Bobby's injury, kind of like an ideal scenario, but what did you make of the game overall, especially the red card? I kind of wanted to get your take on that.
2: Um, well, basically it was a shithousery part two, wasn't it? Um, you know, if I can use that, well, I already did. So, uh, yeah, it, there's no editing on this, it's live. So go same, for it. Same, same tactics as always from, you know, semi is just go out there and try and physically like, you know, just be knobheads. And then um, they tried it with Mane and uh, they were actually doing it. You know, Mane was getting pissed off. Uh, great move by Klopp to take him off because the red card was coming. You know, uh, it was only a matter of probably minutes after the yellow card. And um, yeah, the, the 35th minute with Felipe, I'm still a bit like, I don't really have a clue why it was a red. I mean, it was a tactical foul. He was 70-plus yards away from the goal, unless Mane was about to shoot. Um, But it was a weird one. Um, I mean, it would have been an incredible goal, but um, still, 70 yards away and you get a red card. Um, I mean, I've heard it's because he just walked away and the referee asked him two or three times to come back and he didn't. But then I'm hearing the match officials, it was for the foul. And that's really weird to me. You know, because you, you watch something like that who and get, um, Felipe gets a red card and then you watch something like what you're going to talk about later on with the West Ham game and gets nothing is beyond a joke. You know, I think the English referees are a bit of a joke, but um, this lad who refereed the other night, just it, that was just bizarre to me. It was a yellow all day long, you know, but... Uh, Apart from that, I mean, the match went according to plan. Um, We did everything that we needed to do in the first, you know, 20-odd minutes. I mean, we played them off the park. Uh, Even if they had Griezmann, I think we still would have won 2-3-0. I don't understand, again, why uh, Jota's goal was offside. Um, It it must have been, you know... Uh, a fingernail again i mean it's it, it should have been three four five nil um and the best was when suarez scored and it was offside that was the best <laughs> that was the best Um, i had uh, a couple of mates that actually were at the match and they said it was the best atmosphere um you know for a long time uh and they said they really enjoyed it they were singing from you know the start to the finish but um I'm I'm not all about like booing Suarez though, to be honest. You know, I mean, his football for Liverpool was absolutely boss. You know, he was a dickhead, but he was our dickhead. If you know what I mean. And I I look at it in football terms. He's world class. You know, he did for Liverpool in three years some fantastic. I mean, amazing goals. So I look at him like that. I don't look at him like the, the bad stuff he did. Because a lot of players do bad stuff. I mean, John Terry, you know, hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To somebody's, uh, you know, misses. So, uh, yeah, 2-0. Um, Brilliant. I mean, two games to spare. Um, what do you reckon, lads? Do you think Klopp's going to try and go all out and, like, you know, do do two more wins or... So
0: I'm glad you brought that up because that's probably like the biggest talking point now, right? Everything is in the bag. We've got the group, which, you know, was meant to be the group of death in four games. We lost okay. it. Up. So it that's is. Yeah.
2: Those teams it was, yeah.
0: And so I guess the question now is, so Gally, let's start with you on this one, but what do you expect moving forward for the lineup? I mean, I realize there is, I don't think prize money is never the reason, the main reason at least, uh, I feel like it would be kind of like you don't want to put, I don't think we even can because you have to register the players. So only so many players can actually play in the Champions League. So you can't, like, we can just put, like, the U23s over there and let them play. But what do you expect? How much of a rotation are you expecting, Gally, the rest of the way, like the next two games?
1: Well, first, to Daz's point, I think he's spot on. AC Milan, this was the group of death. And let's all just be hopeful that it's seven more years before AC Milan can show back their faces in the Champions League just to bow back out Um, because they really didn't even show up. You can't even get a draw in Porto. You're really struggling. But what do I expect you're going to do? He'll probably play more players than I want him to because that's what he does. Um, But he loves a small squad and he loves them playing fit and he loves having his guys all feel like they're part of the harmony. I do believe he knows this squad is needed now with AFCON coming up. He has two matches in December midweek that he's able to rotate his squad. And I think he will. And I think you have to have so many of your players. But I think in Europe, you are allowed to play youth team players, even that aren't registered in the Champions League i.e. what Harry Redknapp would do every year in the Europa League when he would just trot out like, 14-year-olds for Tottenham because <laughs> they had no chance of getting past. Remember, they'd have to play in a qualifier every year, and like it was the only time Harry Kane's mom would get to see Harry Kane play it was like three years in a row in the Europa League, and then he'd get loaned out somewhere. Now you know she gets to go sit with her dimwit son who brokered the worst contract in all of English sports. But I'll digress. As far as what we'll do, I think we'll go out there, we'll play well. I don't know that we'll win two more. You know, winning four in a row was the first time we've ever done it as a club to start the Champions League group stage, which is kind of crazy in itself. So if we get another win and a draw, that'll be great for me. We never play well in Italy, so I put nothing past what that trip to Milan will be like.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if I'll care about the scores as much. And obviously, anytime we go, it's frickin' preseason. You know, we want to win, and you want the team to win. But I don't think I will be as bothered as long as we're kind of getting out of there injury-free, especially when you go to Italy and stuff like that. I guess that would be my bigger concern than anything else. If it's two draws, whatever, really, as long as we're leaving it healthy. Because even this game, that was kind of like the only thing with Bobby being out, you know, for like with the hamstring and stuff like that. What do you expect as, I mean, in terms of like lineups, do you think? I honestly did nothing. I thought they had to register to certain players. The younger players couldn't be squeaked in afterwards. Yeah. But okay. if that is a possibility, <laughs> do you even see us doing that or not? Really? Well, I... remember
2: Jones, Jones isn't in the Champions League squad. It's because he's a young lad, so he's not re- not like technically registered in the squad, but he can still play. He can play. Um, I would play, Origi and Minamino definitely because you know obviously Afcon coming up, they've got to get games in. Um, but you play the youth as well. So a bit if Milner's fit, you play Milner. You know, uh, back line Canote. I would play and Gomez. Um, because Gomez need, needs the game time. He looks rusty. Uh Midfield, Morton. I like that kid. You know, again, uh, can you imagine being that that old and playing in the Champions League for Liverpool? I mean, that's just a dream come true. These, um, yeah,
0: these kids are living the dream,
2: man. I mean, you know, I'd like us to win one more, to be honest. Um just just for confidence-wise, um, I'd, I'd like us to win both of them. But if not, I mean, we're top of, top of the group. We're already in the next round. So it's like, let's minimise the injuries because we know what happened to Jota last time. So, you know, we got to be really careful. Wrap whoever, you know, is like the better players, wrap them in cotton wool. You know, either keep them off the pitch or you know, go one, two up and take them off as soon as possible. But, yeah, I'd like another win. I mean, I can't stand Milan. Let's beat them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like, you know,
0: backline, goalie, even forward, one with Divac and Taki and stuff, we have options. Midfield is probably the biggest concern, and I would probably use the youth there, which is probably the riskiest spot to use them. But, like I say, it is what it is. It's better than, you know, throwing... I would hate to see like Handel or Fab or somebody out there getting injured in one of these games. It would just be like the the worst. So, so that's before we go. Uh, when is this hundredth episode coming that we teased?
2: Um, should be either this Saturday or Sunday. Um, that depends on the misses because the missus is the one that does all the uh, technical stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 just the pretty face of the podcast with the uh, with Steve, um, but. It should be Saturday or Sunday and um we've got a bunch of we have got about ten really um of our best guests to uh actually do like a minute video for us um just to say you know happy hundredth uh, episode so uh, Chris Pajak from Red Men, George Sefton, uh Gary Gillespie and uh Steve Hunter. Uh, a few others, so uh, yeah, very very proud to to get to a hundred. You know, when when I first started this, you know, no no way did I think I'd still be going. Um, but it's just the stories. I mean, like everyone has a story to tell. You know, um, I just did one with Alan Edwards, the former steward. Absolutely class. I mean, he's eighty three. Um. He's got Parkinson's now. Um, but again, it's the stories that I love to hear. Um, I'll always say it. I, I wish back when I was younger, I'd listen to my granddad a bit more when he used to tell the stories. I'd be like, yeah, well, whatever, you old fart. I'm going to go play football. Shut up. You know, I really wish I I'd, I could go back and like listen to what he actually told me. But now I've got a podcast where I can listen. You know, I I just ask a few questions and shut my mouth. You know, Steve mm-hmm. might, might ask a bit more, and, and then I tell him, I'll text him, shut your mouth, let let the guest talk. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Having a show, when you have a guest, let the guest talk. Nobody wants to listen to me or Steve. Let the guest talk, so yeah. Especially Steve, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he just goes on and on and on. He, 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 he actually likes the more stat stuff from people. You know, he likes to know, like, how somebody became a journalist. I just want the nitty gritty. I want the dirty stories, you know. Yeah, that's me. But, uh, yeah, I can't believe it. And um, it's thanks to everybody, you know, they've, they've supported us really, really well. And I'm, I'm just, you know, chuffed to bits.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend it to everybody. I know I've mentioned it a few times as you were like following us, commenting and stuff like that. So it's definitely a great listen because there are a lot of good stories and definitely some big names on there. So definitely recommend it. Uh, that's, thank you for
2: joining us. Oh, no problem. I'll, I'll
0: put a link as well so people can go directly and watch this episode as well. Thanks again, man.
2: Appreciate it. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll message some dirty stuff on the side.
1: Yes, I'll- that's what we need the rest of the show. Yeah. Please get angry. <laughs> Ah, yeah, those I bad. mean those guys
0: definitely get a lot of big names. The biggest we name name we get is probably Bickler.
1: You see the comments earlier. We had one, we have one who's missing swaggy p and we have another who has basically thrown a party tonight because Paul's not here for us. <laughs>
0: So let's go on to our next guest. Uh, Our next guest is Ben. Ben, I'm going to butcher your last name, but I'm used to people butchering my last name. I've heard your ass and all kinds of stuff over the years. So is it Gothia? Is that what it is? Yeah. Damn, that wasn't bad then. So Ben, welcome to the podcast. You are one of the fantasy gurus in our Discord fan channel. I was actually talking about you guys last week's podcast where I was listening to you. I was reading what you and Gally over here were typing back and forth, and that's when I decided I should not be doing fantasy because it was way above my league. So how did fantasy work out for you this week?
3: Uh, It worked out pretty good. Can't complain. I think my game week rank was maybe my highest or second highest all year, up in the 400,000s.
0: Uh, just to give a quick uh, update for all of us uh, following over here. I somehow scored the same points on Bickler. And knowing Bickler, I almost could see him doing this, like putting the same lineup as me rest of the year because he has six points on top of me kind of thing. But no, he just happened to score. But the main thing that we're all following nonstop is the fact that Kelly Gallivan is still number one with 757 points. I saw you gain some ground this week galley but no one yeah, cares we talk uh, about
1: any of that positive stuff
0: yeah we don't want to talk about all that crap nobody cares about that uh the fact is this is what everybody cares about is the fact that uh, kelly is still number one with 757 points so ben with you let's switch over to the week's game with west ham what did you make of the game in general
3: i think that both teams played their games you look at What West Ham did against us, that's what they do against everyone since the beginning of last season. They lead the league in goals scored from set pieces, and they scored on two corners. Uh, Immediately after the first goal, they stopped pressuring us and sat back, absorbed our pressure, and looked to hit back on the counter, which their team is built for. They have a front four who is fast, interchangeable, and can get from one end of the pitch to the other and put the ball in the back of the net.
0: Gally, um, what do you when you look at the game? And I think you were probably the most irate in the Discord channel after the game, I'm gonna have to say. But, um, it wasn't really a game where we've had some games where I mean, we did miss some chances, but they had a lot as well. And it wasn't the kind of game that you could say afterwards, man, we should have won that one.
1: Yeah, no, we got beat, like, we went into another, uh, we went into another club's building, played like we were going to play our game, which is fine. We were dictating tempo early. We acted as if we were going to win. We got punched in the face. It's like a schoolyard bully would do, right? We just got punched right in the nose early and we didn't respond. And and I'll say this, when the, when the first, uh, when Robo draws that ball back and then they go on the break and Van Dyke makes the great closing run on Antonio and kicks the ball out for a corner, I'm thinking to myself, all right, just don't give up a goal on this corner. These are the worst. They haven't even kicked the ball in our whole half all yet, and they're going to get a corner, right? And then what drove me crazier was before the kick even happened, I could sense how uncomfortable Allison was with Antonio. He kept pushing him off, pushing him off, before even the interaction with Dagbama. So then we're doing the whole VAR thing. I never felt like they were going to chalk off the goal. And I want to be honest, part of it is because I think goalies are protected in all the world football. I think that was a foul. And if Craig Pawson had called it, I'd have no problem with the goal not being counted. VAR can't take that goal away to help a referee because it was so subjective. How is video replay going to get that right? So there's no way that they're going to chop that goal off. And he was so soft on it. And from the rest of that, From that moment on, the rest of the match, I felt like they were going to score on every corner kick they had. Because every time Allison looked uncomfortable worrying about Antonio in his six-yard box, and you saw it when Zuma peels off and just runs unabashed to the back post and gets that third goal. And that's really when we lost, let's be honest.
0: The thing is, you know, I, I mean, I understand and agree that, you know, the goalies are perhaps a little overprotected at times Uh when like the, you know, the the other player, the attacking player is not doing anything at all. They're just like standing there and somehow it's a foul and stuff. And that's why though, usually when something like that happens, I was more shocked that the goal was given because usually the default whistle over there is the foul. And that's right. why I was like, I, I, When you look at it, is it a foul? Eh, eh. I mean, you know, you can go back and forth and maybe it wasn't enough to overturn it, but it's not consistent with the years and years of calls we've seen. And I think that was the most frustrating part. And they were like, they're checking for a handball. Like, handball? What are you guys looking for a handball for? Look at his elbow, kind of like pulling, like keeping Allison from basically being able to jump and you're not supposed to be able to do that uh what did you make of, of that call ben i mean i i guess it was like a huge moment in the game but well anyway let's get your take i'll give you kind of like my whole thing on the ref at the end of here
3: and certainly give them the momentum at home scoring that early goal but i don't know that it's a foul that's a that's a 50 50 toss-up if the teams are reversed on that i don't know that I want that to be a foul, you know what I mean? If we're scoring that goal, I can't say for sure that... That's a good point.
0: Uh, that, that is but a good point. Ali
3: wasn't necessarily... He got caught up, maybe, how I saw it, more than anything, more than he was blocked from going to the ball. But today and yesterday, if you read all the stuff that's coming out from West Ham players, is that they specifically targeted Ali with both the ball and players, that was something that they saw and looked to take advantage of. And now maybe other teams are going to do that too.
0: I agree with Nick's point, by the way, who says all of should be punching that away while he's being contested. He tried catching. You. Because I think if you put a motion of trying to punch it and that elbow kind of cuts you off, then you get to call a lot easier. And going back to what you're saying, Ben, I mean, I think everybody tries that now, right? Like, you put at least one guy in front of the goalie to prevent their motion. It looked like they kind of overcrowded it. I guess my concern, like, moving forward is, uh, let's hope it's not a recipe for others to follow. Because, like you're saying, Ali, somehow every other corner, it's kind of like brought flashbacks of Mignolet days where every corner kick felt like we just gave away a penalty or something.
1: It looked like they could score on every one. I mean, there were two times Suchek flashed over the top. There was the one time that Zuma completely missed the net. There's the time Zuma peels off and scores the goal. And yes, was Trent sleeping on the back post? Yes. But what is Trent Alexander-Arnold going to do if Kurt Zuma is running down on him free and nobody hits him? He's going to do nothing but get run over. That's what's going to happen. The only person there that could have done anything is Allison. And it only would have been if he wasn't so preoccupied with Antonio. But here's the thing. Not every team has a linebacker that they can line up on your goal. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, you look at Antonio in that uniform. We all marvel over Triori, right? Because he just runs and he fills the Wolves jersey. Antonio is just as big as Triori, but he has actual footballing skills inside his boots. It's pretty amazing, actually, and it's not a surprise that that team is third and two points off the top, which is ridiculous in itself that West Ham is in a title race.
0: Too bad he doesn't do shit for my fantasy team, man. I've had him on there, and he kind of, like, sucked. Well, like you don't get points for, like, harassing the goalie in a corner kick, I just realized. but So, Ben, what did you make of that goal in the Trent thing? Because I know what you're saying, Galley, but if Trent at least tries – Couple of things can happen there, uh, like you're saying, nothing could have ma- mattered, and Zuma still gets the header in, or I don't know because of the challenge, Zuma can't get the header that he wants to really in, or somehow it looks like he's following Trent because when Zuma jumps and even if Trent is just standing there, he's gonna be twice the height of like Trent there, and he gets a foul call, and that's what. Was And I know, I mean, it is on Ellison, but then again, somebody has to defend the back post too. What did you make of that goal there, Ben? You're right.
3: Someone does have to defend the back post, but you look at their whole team. You talk about Antonio filling out his jersey, but their whole team is big and strong and tough in the air. And they added another player in Zuma in the off season who fits that bill. They got Saocek and Rice who are also very big and physical in the box. And maybe we're a little bit overmatched, but maybe we also don't have to worry about it. As much going forward because not every team has a Cresswell who's whipping in the crosses and the corners. You know, he had eight assists last year. That's big numbers from a defender. We know that from our defenders. And with all those big, strong people in the box, maybe they can just kind of overrun just about any defense, not just ours.
0: Did you have a problem with the lineup at all or like how we, I mean, the lineup in terms of the starting 11 and how we lined up on the field, Ben?
3: I think that lineup pretty much picks itself. Uh, You know, we were in the Discord chat. I don't think that anyone had any real problems with it. You look across the front three, that's who's available. Same thing in midfield. I guess maybe the only thing you could talk about is who Virgil's partner is. I think that Matip was a good choice. I think that you could also have seen Kanate in there. I don't think he's played himself out of a job next to Virgil. I think that Matip and Kanate will kind of rotate through both our more important and less important matches. But that's just who we have. That's the system that Klopp's going to play. and That's the players that we have who fit into it.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I don't know if it's like, especially after the Brighton game, I know there was like a lot of talk about like some of the similarities between the clubs. Are they similar? Are they not similar and stuff like that? But I do agree with Nick in terms of like, I feel the same way midfield becomes the issue because the mid- the way we line up midfield protects that back line. And when midfield can't do that, I think the, the back line kind of gets exposed to, I guess, how we play in that system. The midfield is a lot more important.
3: Who else were you going to start, though, instead of Ox? That's the only position that you really could have done anything about. That's the problem with the players that we have fit right now.
0: And I yeah, I agree. And I think that's like the main
1: issue. Did you have a problem with the lineup at all, Yale? I didn't have a problem with the lineup. Um, you know, I I'm a firm believer on playing people on like pure form and merit. And I think there was maybe some idea to maybe play Shemekis at left back. I know Klopp wouldn't do it in a week where he says, we're not going to have a conversation about Robertson not being my starting left back. I think it would have been smart to give him a Sunday off before an international break that he's going to go play every minute that Scotland has to play and play two road games. Like I think you have to manage people's minutes and think ahead. And that would have been a smart decision. And I also think that we could have used a better ball in on the set pieces and I think we've seen so far that Smikas has the best set piece that we have outside of Trent taking free kicks, of course. Um, But, you know, I I just think that would have been maybe the one option. I'm with Ben. You know, could Kanate have started to maybe offset the strength in the air that they have with Zuma and Agbana and Antonio? That might not have been a bad shout. But Mata played great midweek, and I think he probably deserved to play and start that match, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Ben, before
0: we let you go, any fantasy tips? Not for Galley. We used to have Galley as the expert, but then he has been exposed over the last few months. So uh, we're asking guests and Kelly now for tips. So did you have a tip moving
1: forward? Unbelievable, Ben. <laughs> well, oh, that was going to be my best part.
3: I ask Kelly, but she's not answering my texts, <laughs> but I do my daughter... Is uh, three points behind me, I believe, and I have two free transfers. So I was waiting to see what she does this week, and maybe I'll copy her.
0: Ah, that's a good tip. Too. See always somebody in the family to kind of
1: chase. The, the smartest thing you can do is find a smarter woman in your household and cheat off of her score. It's working for me so far. I, I picked up some points this week. <laughs> She's
3: Captain Mo all season, and that's what's really carried her. She had Trent this week, so did I. She's got Diago Jota, though. I think that uh, he's probably one to get in, because if you listen to the reports on uh, Bobby's injury, he's probably going to be out until around Christmas, and right after Christmas is AFCON. So it looks like he's set for a few months to be starting in there. 7.5 million. He's a midfielder who plays as a number nine, so he gets an extra couple points for goals. That's pretty good, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you guys, my personal experience, captaining salah every week having trenta and jutta on the squad gets you 52nd in the league right now because that's what i got going for me ben thanks a lot for joining us hope to see you again soon and we'll talk to you on the discord fan channel bye man so now let's continue with the west ham chats uh so we're gonna bring one of our contributors over here uh his article left alone uh I don't know how Barack does it. Maybe he can freaking tell us when we bring him on. But this guy puts out his articles within like 30 minutes to like an hour after the game. I'm barely kind of going back to my regular breathing by then. So it will be no way in hell I'm like writing and submitting a piece by then. But let's find out from the man himself. Barak, what's happening? How is it going? How the hell do you get a piece? Are you writing during the game or how does that no. work?
4: No, I don't write during the game. I uh, I go sit in front of my computer as soon as the game is over and just crank it up.
0: Uh, see, like not much I could have pulled with that. So going back to your piece and talking about that, um, <laughs> you know, where do you put, I don't want to say the blame, but moving forward, where do you, where do we have to see the improvements, I guess, to turn, I mean, the last couple of results around?
4: So you know it's kind of funny because I heard I heard Gally. Uh I heard Ben. I, it sound, it sounds to me, I heard you. It sounds to me like I watched a somewhat different game. I, I thought we played better than West Ham. I thought we deserved to win the game against well, West Ham. Yep. Uh I think that um, you know, the two money opportunities were gold plated. You, you give Jota, Jota both, of, both of those opportunities they're in. You give Sala both of those opportunities they're in. You give Origi those opportunities. At least one of them goes in. Um, and that's without the the other wastes that he had made trying to, to kind of force his head. He's doing a little bit of what he used to do um, where he gets frustrated, right? And he kind of goes head against the wall. Uh, I think that uh, we, as I, the title of the, the 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 column says left alone. I mean, I think Robo was leaving Van Dijk all alone. And that's because Mane was also not helping on the left flank. I think our left flank was the one that was actually exposed. I know there was that West Ham played a, a, a lot of spent a lot of time on Trent's side, but they didn't do anything useful from there. Um, whereas if you actually look at where the the real open play threats came from, it was on that side, and that was Van Dyke, and you know there was that moment where the, they did a close-up on him about 70 minutes in where he's standing there and he's just shaking his head, you know, so forlorn and kind of muttering to himself. And you're like, you, you know what he's saying. Like, what, what the hell, guys? What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me over and over and over again? And you know it, who it's directed at. And I think Robo's had a bad run of games. So... Yeah, I do think that the opening lineup had problems. I would have placed uh, uh, Tsimikas on rather than Robo. I would have put Konate on rather than Mati, just for the strength. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I don't think Ox did as bad as y'all make him to, out to be when Thiago went on. We actually lost a significant, uh, you know, amount of, of, if you will, in, in the midfield. Um, it, it, he started giving balls away, which actually speaks to West Ham's quality in, in the press. Um, they went after him like a pack of wolves. And this was, you know, 70, 80 minutes in. You'd think they wouldn't be able to do that. And and he lost a fair number of, of balls in transition that um, that I, you know, led to a couple of dangerous opportunities on the other end. And, you know, we got to give credit to this team, uh, to, to West Ham. I mean, the Hammers are in a moment right now. They are playing really well. They are playing as well as that team can play. And, you know, when teams have that sort of moment happening for them, then they do seem a little bit unbeatable. They do get all the luck falls their way. So, yeah, you know, Allison was fouled. I think it was a pretty clear foul. But when you're playing against a team that's in that moment, you know, those calls, those 50-50 calls end up falling in their favor. And that's where they are right now. Can they sustain this for an entire season? Nah. I don't think so. The Premier League is a marathon, so you know. I, but can they legitimately try to to end the season in a top five? I think so. I think they can improve on on last season. Um, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't. Let's not discount them. They've earned their win. Uh, they're a team on in momentum. They're probably dangerous to anybody who comes to visit for the next few games. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, you know, we just happened to catch them in that moment. And then, you know, there's the other thing that I write about in the column, which, you know, we had that 7-0. Remember that Crystal Palace game? Yep. with we, we, uh, The end of everything, yeah. <laughs> yep. And then and then after that, we had a run of horrendous games where we couldn't do anything. This is not what this looked like. We played well. We got a lot of, you know, we had, I think, tripled the number of, of shots on goal or, or shots in total than West Ham did. We had tripled the number of passes, we had 70% possession. I mean, all the stats were our way. We should have won that game. We didn't, but we played well. So, okay, it's the Premier League. You lose a game ever so often. Uh losing this game against West Ham in in at, you know, in their home. I I'm I'm not freaking out about that. It happens. Yeah, I felt I know.
0: I don't know if we deserve to win. I thought, and I said this in the fan Discord channel uh, as we were like chatting about it. I felt it would have been probably more of a like a two-two kind of game is what it felt like, with you know both sides having chances and you know capitalizing on them and calls going each way. But you brought up a couple of players' names over there that I want to kind of like touch up on and see what your guys' take is. But one of them and the commentators I like kind of like talking about it right now is Ox. Because, I mean, if you go online, I think, you know, if you leave it to fans after any bad results, they'll get rid of half the freaking team. And then, you know, after three weeks, you won't have anybody left. But I know, like, some of the common themes of, like, players talked about is Ox. What did you think of, Galley of Ox's performance in this game specifically? Because I know we keep talking about, you know, anytime you see Ox in the lineup, Keta in the lineup, they're like, hey, this is a great opportunity for him. This is a great opportunity for him. Does that sometimes come back to like bite him in the ass where it's almost like that's the feeling I personally get with Ox is where he almost like tries too much to make an impact or be the difference?
1: Well, I think I think a lot of players do that when they're given sparse opportunity. And unfortunately, when, you know, you play for a club that doesn't rotate that much, there are sparse opportunities. You have to really step up and take them. I actually agree with Barack on this. I think Ox was pretty good. I don't know if I came across incorrectly when I was talking about him earlier. I didn't really get a chance to talk about the midfield in my review of the match, but I thought that Ox did some really good things. I think that Ox gets stuck being what he truly is, which is an attack-minded front-foot playmaker who can score a goal and create a goal, and still has industry, and trying to be Genie Wijnaldum, because he thinks if he plays like Genie, he'll have a spot every game in the lineup, because that's what they need right now. And I think so often in the fans' eyes who judge him, and give him his fives, and his threes, and his he-needs-to-play-for-Southampton chance, that they want him to be a player he's not. And I I think when we like kind of champion him for being the player he is the, you know, he's a risk taker. And I think that fab didn't have his greatest game. And if you give me a, a second to tell you why they very rarely play up against a player that can boss a midfield, like fab bosses a midfield. And he had to play against two of them who do it in unison together as happily as anyone else on the pitch, what Suchek and Rice do to sit in front of that back three, absolutely nullified what Henderson and Fabinho do, which is drop up and come back, break up play, and then create the the immediate counter. I can't remember one classic Hendo ball forward from the middle that cut the lines or set us on our attack. And we have two or three of those a match. And honestly, I think that was Rice. And that was a class, class player doing it at West Ham. And it's probably why they'll probably finish fifth or fourth. And two years from now, he'll probably be playing at one of our rivals. And he'll probably be the most important piece of their midfield. Declan Rice has a big, big future in front of him. And I think it had a lot to do with why our midfield looks so mediocre. So yeah, nothing to take away from West Ham. I thought they played
0: really well. I mean, like I say, they reserved at least to draw if not the win. But so looking at us, Barack, what would you like what would you like to have seen to turn the game around or kind of like shift the balance towards us or was this just a game to be lost?
4: It's a game. Honestly, just score the opportunities we have. I mean, seriously. Uh, you you're going to tell me that 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 first one where where you know all money has to do pick this corner or that corner even roll it in right you don't even have to hit it hard that's a goal right just score the damn things that you're given Uh, you know that's the that's the difference Uh, otherwise again i just pulled up the stats i i perhaps was exaggerating a little bit but not that much we had more than (laughs) double the number of shots they had we had Almost three times as many passes. I mean, uh, you know, it's they had three corners and they scored two of them. You know that happens in in football. You can't avoid it. It's one of those things that happens sometimes, and it happens with a team like West Ham, where again they're in a moment. So this is their style of play, and because they are in a moment, the things they do well, they're going to do exceptionally well. Right? That is. That's the entire magic around, around being, you know, having momentum behind you. But at the same time, we played a better game. You know, if we finished our opportunities, we would have emerged with an exciting, you know, 5-3. And it would have been like one of those games that then we like to watch 10 years later. Because, holy shit, do you remember the 5-3 game against West Ham? It ended up being 3-2. Because, honestly, I, I'm going to say this again. Manu's finishing really sucked. He cost us this game, in my opinion, uh, just by not, just by not sticking the ball in the goal, which is what he's supposed to be doing. So Dave Leza says
0: it's all about the finishing, and which was pretty much what Bark is saying when it comes to Mane. I mean, we did have our chances, but then again, they did too. Apart from like a, you know a couple of last-second Van Dyke tackles, they were away from those in terms of like getting those chances. And yeah, uh, they
4: they did come from I, the same wing, my, my friend. West Ham had seven shots, three on goal. Three on target. They had three shots on target. But here's the thing. How many last-ditch tackles did that take? Sure, sure. sure. That's the point. So here's another thing to be encouraged by, right? We got Van Dijk back. You know, I didn't know how long it's going to take him to kind of find his mojo back because, yes, he came back from this horrible injury. But it can take a year easily for, for somebody to come back from that sort of horrible injury and get over the mental stuff that goes in your head when you go into tackles. The th- right. And we've been seeing it with Van Dyke, Right. He's been a little bit, you know, a little bit off in situation. He wasn't off at all. He was there and, and he was, you know, accurate. And he was, you know, he felt like he was back into that, you know, maybe not quite as good, but 99% there as being that Rolls Royce in defense, right? That's really good. That's encouraging for us to do, but that's part of our team. That's how we play, right? So we have a Van Dyke there so that can be a cover for, you know, the way we mess up because we're constantly going forward and trying to like, you know, chomp on everybody's necks, right? We are a pack of wolves ourselves in many ways. Um and so you know that's part of our game. I'm I'm not concerned about that at all. When it comes down to the bottom line of the game, West Ham had three shots on goal. Two of them went in. <laughs> Right. One of them didn't. And then we had the own goal by Allison, which is extremely unfortunate, a 50 50 shot. And I think on on any other day, it might not have been given. Right. Different referee, different wind, different whatever it might be, the mood of the uh, this at Anfield, this would not have been given. Right. Yeah, I agree for that. And that's. And that's kind of, is probably like my bigger, <laughs> one of the bigger problems with refereeing in the
0: Premier League. I know, I think Daz earlier was talking about it in terms of the inconsistency. And then when English teams go to Europe, they're kind of shocked with the refereeing there. And they're like, why was that a red card? Well, that's actually the rule, man. That is the right card. You guys kind of like get away with stuff in Premier League sometimes, or it's very inconsistent in Premier League. I mean, just this weekend, there were like three, four calls where they were very similar, but they were called very differently in each game and stuff like that. What do you say, Gally? I mean, with one thing with Van Dyke that I've noticed that has gotten a lot better, especially like since he's gotten back, is how the balls he cuts on defense are turning into instant like passes and stuff. Uh, For a while, right before his injury, I thought that's I think was one of his strengths that makes him one of the best is he does not just head the ball away. There are a lot of center backs who do that. He almost like converts that into a pass and keeps that possession when those long balls are played. And I feel a lot of that back. The only odd moment that I remember with Van Dijk was in I think it was in the first half where there was a ball on the left wing. And he kept running on the right-hand side, not, you know, approaching the attacker. It almost felt like a FIFA glitch, like where the controller doesn't switch to the guy you should be controlling. You're like, what is going on? Why is he not running there? But that was like an odd moment. But I thought, aside from that, he had like an excellent game. I don't know how much we can... I know fans want to do that, you know, like pick certain like players to put it on. I felt like the different lines just did not work together like the midfield to like defense and that sometimes makes you know obviously they almost felt like they were gonna take Trent side away and have Robo have more room over there and you know with those crosses we just couldn't capitalize Gally
1: he he absolutely looks back to me um to his fullest and and fittest you know i was nervous i didn't know how quickly it would come back you know might take a full year even from how people talked about coming back from the type of injury he had uh he looks completely back that being said i do worry that he's played almost every single minute of every um match we've played so far and i don't think that can continue on He's not going to be able to play every Premier League minute and every Champions League minute and give us everything we need and have a run into the FA Cup and the League Cup and what everybody wants. Um, so he's got to get some rest. He looked amazing. I think that his decision making's there. I do think he's frustrated right now um, with Robo playing alongside him on the left. You can see it. He's yelling at him constantly. He's consistently breaking the high line, which makes all their work that much harder. I mean, I can't tell you how many goals I could chalk off this year that have been straight down to robo dropping deep. And I I love the man. You guys know my, my admiration for him. It's why I keep calling for Samikis to getting starts. I just think he needs a mental rest as well as a physical reboot. Um, and Virgil is calling it and, and we'll see it as the year goes on. I'm hoping that it'll come out of the break and we'll be in a better spot, but you know, that wasn't, you know, Robo had nothing to do with the goals that were conceded, but I'll leave it on this. It's a pretty good stat. I did the math before the game. He's had five starts and five substitute appearances. Samika has this year in competitive matches, they have yielded zero goals. And they've outscored their opponents 15 to nothing during the time he's on the pitch. And he's helped create five of the goals. That's pretty good for a guy who couldn't get on the pitch in 11 months. And if you were ever going to actually look a guy in the face and tell him he deserved a start, regardless of the class of the person in front of him, that guy would probably deserve a start. Even if he might actually be half asleep while you told him and not know <laughs> <were> you
4: even telling <laughs> yeah i mean if i had if i had any more thumbs i'd be raising them on the this is i'm in violent agreement on that
0: yeah unfortunately international break does not help robo's cause but uh, but i know you had to go but before you go wanted to see like so once you get your take on this do you feel i mean there's no freaking good time for the international break i guess but uh, given the last few results, do you think this is probably a good time for the national break or going back to there is no freaking good time for the national
4: break? You know, I, yeah, I'd rather have it now than in a month. Let's, you know, I'll put it that way. But, but um, you know, you talked about the, the the next two games in the Champions League. I couldn't care less if we lose them 5 0 each. Put put the academy team. I don't want to see, you know, yeah, let a few of the our, our fringe players play. Put Origi on, put Minamino on. I don't want to see anyone that is in our opening 18 get in that game. As far as I'm concerned, get the 14 year olds in there. The, we have so many things to go after this season that that the idea. I, so we'll lose to Milan. Do I care? No. Doesn't mean anything. It means it's completely meaningless. But the problem is, I don't think, I don't think um, Klopp doesn't rotate very much, right? That's nope. a problem. No, nope. and so we're gonna see. Ma- you're gonna we're gonna see Salah and Mane and Jota and Firmino if he comes back and you know whatever. It's like why, 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 why? By the way, Origi's in a moment, right? You know, two goals, two games. I mean, um, hey, good ones too. <laughs> it's Divock
0: time, baby. That is Paul was here. He'd be happy. Paul is not here, but he's commenting and he's supposed to be out to dinner with the little one. So I don't know what the heck he's doing there. But uh, international break is for losers, says Paul. But yeah, I mean, it's like I say, it's never a good time. But I agree with Barack in terms of, you know, better now than I guess, you know, like in like two weeks or three weeks or something like that. Well, Barak, thank you for joining us, sir. And we will continue to read those columns that we have no idea how
4: you do it within like 30 I, minutes. <laughs> you see, that's my that's the taken quickly part of it, right? <laughs> I, I do my best even if I say really stupid it things. Is
1: very, it is very quickly.
4: <laughs> it is very
0: quickly.
4: <laughs> take care, buddy. Right. Cheers, Thanks, Brock.
0: Man. Yeah, you can read Barak's post, uh, corner taking quickly uh, within an hour of the kickoff. That's his guarantee. It's like Domino's with pizza delivery. He told me you will have it within an hour or so. And he always does somehow. I don't know. Like I say, it takes me a while before I can get my breath back and like get back to my senses. Uh, So before we wrap up like the West Ham talk. What did you make, what do you make of all these varying referee decisions? I mean, you know, we kind of discussed the foul one, but then there's like that Crestwell foul. I think like Daz referred to in the beginning of the game. Like, what did you make of that one, for example? So
1: I, I did not think that was a red card when I saw it live. I thought it was a foul, and I thought the referee missed the call. And then when they zoomed in on it and slowed it down, I thought to myself, wow, he goes over the ball. He pops off the top. his studs hit his upper thigh or upper knee area. It could be a red, but I didn't think it should be a red. I want to be totally honest. And I guess I'll take my, you know, I I took my Liverpool uh, rosy red glasses off. Now, rewind that an hour and a half earlier, three minutes to go in the Tottenham match, when that loathsome, you know, lying, racist calling Holgate baiting bastard from everton comes barreling through hoiberg with his left foot coming up around his thigh as the trailing leg that's a that should be seen as a red on the pitch and this has been my complaint i think i've had it a bunch of times on here and it was my argument earlier with the allison call my only issue with VAR is it's like instant replay in the nfl it allows match day officials to hide behind someone else making tough calls. I need them to make these calls on the field and then let the replay correct it. And I think they're always afraid to make calls. And because of that, the game struggles. It it was my whole thing with the Allison thing. That should have been ruled off no goal on the pitch by the official. Because if it isn't, VAR has no job chalking it off. Because it wasn't egregious. It has to be called on the field. And then fix it. But these guys hide around. The idea. That I can call it a foul. And VAR will tell me it's a red. In some ways. I give the moron in the Champions League credit. For flashing the red card. At least he made the decision in the moment. Even if it was out of petulance. And it was wrong. He made the decision and VAR couldn't overturn it because he saw it a foot and a half away. And and that's what I had a problem with. So do I think Cresswell should have been sent off? I don't, you know, I really don't.
0: I agree. I don't either. Because And I think the biggest thing comes from if the whole gate thing didn't happen, what, like an hour before the game, I don't think it's as much of an issue. Like, everybody had just seen that. But I feel like they're totally different tackles. But having said that, I think it should have been a foul and a yellow. But I don't think – because the difference to me was the second foot. uh, Whereas Holgate had both of them up, studs up, going in. And that's – you're just basically looking to hurt somebody doing that. Uh, whereas Cresswell, it almost like the other one was pulled back and it was kind of pointed down, it wasn't as like malicious. And I, you know, I don't care about the intention thing, uh, but yeah, I don't think it was not the same tackle as Holgate. And because they happened so close and we saw the decision made there, we kind of like most fans try to make a connection, probably unpo- unpopular opinion, but I didn't think it was already there. But it should have probably been a yell, but it goes back to how different it's called. And I know what you're saying with VAR. Uh, Paul actually says it's a giant game of chicken between the hair ref and the VAR booth official. And I feel like as a ref, they would rather, especially when it comes to these red cars things. That's why it was perhaps so shocking to all of us that in the Atletico Madrid game, the guy just showed the red. because. Nobody in England has the balls to do those <laughs> balls to do that starts with the red and then possibly take it back. I think they would rather say yellow and then come back and say yellow. Nope. Here is a red because we washed it and stuff like that, as opposed to make the big call right there, right then. VAR just basically has become right. kind of like something to fall back on. They're like, oh, I'll show a yellow or I'll, you know, I'll let it go. If it's, I mean like Boss thing.
1: Let, I mean, let's be real. The, the let's be real, though, the guy in the Atletico Madrid game really had no clue what he was doing, because have you ever seen a professional referee keep both cards in the same pocket for the entire match? I mean, really, they either have the yellow in the pocket and the red in the sleeve or <laughs> vice versa, right? Or in the back in the ass. They're never in the same pocket. He pulled out a yellow card three times, and each time the first thing you saw as the placard came out was red. And I'm like, how is he giving red? And then it's like, no, it's a yellow. No, it's a this. And then he shows the red. And I'm like, no, he just pulled out the wrong card. I'm literally telling people in a pub. No, I think he pulled out the wrong card. And just like I think Nick is saying right now, they were calling it a double yellow. It wasn't a double yellow. It should have been. It should have been a yellow for the tackle. And then he called him back about 155 times. And Felipe basically gave him the double birds and said, I don't give a shit. You're not giving me a card. And then he just said, you know what? You don't want one card. I will give you the double. And you can have a walk for it too. And a shower. And then, you know, Suarez got one. Coke got one. And it got better and better as Suarez just looked more and more angry as the match went on. I think it goes back to,
0: I think like Nick says, you know, he thought it was, I think a lot of people thought it was a double yellow because they were like, well, he didn't just give a red for that. So they were, you know, everybody was trying to kind of formulate why it was, maybe it was a yellow. And then when he didn't go, it was another yellow, two yellows, make it red kind of thing. Because he never motioned like the second yellow, therefore a red or anything like that. But I think everybody was so shocked. I mean, I think this is the first time I've seen where there was a red shown and nobody knew what it was for. Like they were like waiting for the official announcement to find out actually what it was. But yeah, I mean with the game, like I say, I hate to put this game on the ref because I thought we got outplayed overall and i mean that's what i agree disagree with barack i don't think we deserve the win there's always going to be like chances that are missed and stuff i don't want to put it on just like the like the finishing and stuff but to put us in a good mood there is only one guy and one guy yeah, only, only one way to bad close it out. out irish jamie who's never in a bad mood <laughs> what's going on jamie oh,
5: jesus lads thanks thanks for the invite this is great um yeah love the pod lads this is brilliant uh, don't know why the fuck you brought me in here. Irish man ready to talk about the interna- the international break.
0: <laughs> First of all, uh, yeah, that was one reason. I'm like, here's, let's bring another guy who's not going to give a damn. And then another guy who would have bought the yellow jersey is kind of fine to rare to find your kind. So I figured we bring you
5: on. <laughs> so a small, small, funny story and a big, massive shout out here. I didn't actually buy this jersey. Uh, one of the guys at, in in our local group, LFC Wilmington. Which um, for all those viewers, um, Paul Bickler and I are in the same area. Uh, shout out to Paul! Uh, happy birthday to to the young nipper. Um, but yeah, he bought it, and it's the uh, it's the match it's the match worn shirt. And it's a bit too tight on him so he give it the skinny old irish patty in the corner <laughs> knowing that i love a yellow shirt and knowing that i would fit in it obviously <laughs> so big big shout out to, to josh engelman um yeah i owe him many many pints
0: yeah see that's why i'm trying to lose weight man so you can kind of like get rebound jerseys here and there. But, yeah. but i don't think we'll ever be i can work out uh, Twice a day for seven days a week. I don't think I'd ever be as skinny as you are over there. What did you (laughs) make of the game, bud? Oh, Which one are
5: we talking about? Jesus Christ. West
0: Ham. Let's go with the... Cheer us up with the depressing West Ham game.
5: We can go even further back. We'll just talk about the Man United one all over again. Why not? (laughs) Honestly, I think we're still in that sort of hangover, aren't we? I mean, midweek Europe obviously drained us. But yeah, West Ham... I mean, I, I sat here and listened to what you guys were saying. A lot, a lot of good points. Um, ben was absolutely spot on. The West Ham lads definitely targeted um, quite a lot of our players and, and done well at it. Uh, but I'm kind of in between. I, I mean, I, I definitely get what Barack's saying. Like, I I do love Barack and his corner taken quickly. Um, and I do think you know, on a on a different day, we could have won that. Um, Sadio definitely. Uh, the, the, the second attempt where he dives down the diving header, I was like, just put your butt on it, you know, just, just casually glance that one in. But I, the way it was coming into the box, it was like it took forever and it, it wasn't quite volley height. It, 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 I mean, I don't know.
0: You almost looked what? like he had time to control that damn thing. I mean, that was a perfectly timed – in terms of execution, that's the thing, you kind of like rip on the miss. But I thought in terms of execution, that was like a perfectly taken, perfect roll and then – timed run was perfect but yeah obviously the result is not what you want but uh so what do you make moving forward i know you're a huge fan of international fans i was asking Mark, is that like no better time for it to come though than probably now
5: well i mean it, the next one isn't until march so we've got four months of bliss thank christ um but yeah i'm, I'm an irish fan so we play portugal um and we're, we're out. There's no chance we, we're getting into the World Cup anyway. So, um, yeah, great. <laughs> well, t-
0: Turkey has a chance, but that's because they're waiting till the last game to crush the dreams of the entire country. They had the lead, they gave it away, and then they'll try to kind of like come in. I mean, it has become a let's not get anybody injured uh, kind of a time. I just felt like overall, because of the latest results and stuff, I hate it when it comes when we're on a roll. Like when yeah. we we're putting wins back to back to back, so in that sense, I thought you know it would come. It came in at a good time.
5: I think I don't want to speaking as a Liverpool fan, as an Irishman, I don't want any Ireland players to go easy on Ronaldo, but I don't want them to injure him either. I want him to witness every game for Man United. I want him to be up front every game for for United. I want him run into the ground. I want his face rubbed into that dirty Mancunian wet turf every game all right darren leave it out darren <laughs> says
0: ireland is a football team oh i didn't know that that's that's pretty rough that's rough. They're not that,
5: that's rough. <laughs> no, um no no comment
0: speaking of people who get really irate over national games galley uh, <laughs> are you looking forward to watching more u.s uh i don't even know if it's misery i don't even know honestly i find it hard to watch those games because i feel like how are these how are any of these guys sometimes going to the World Cup while we're kind of like sitting good teams in Europe down? But I'm sure you don't agree as an American, but well,
1: I mean, when when was the last time Turkey got to a quarterfinal of the World Cup?
0: Uh we were in the semifinal, buddy. Nice try though. Keep going.
1: When when was it? Uh what is that?
0: 90... 2000, maybe? Right, well, they lost uh, to Brazil? Con- 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 they Kephas were third, like, man. Don't be talking smack. You know, Con- I'll take somebody, from... somebody else talking smack about Turkey. Oh, but I'm not I mean, I'm being honest. <laughs> you,
1: we, you, you're ripping an entire region. CONCACAF Con- has had multiple teams in the quarterfinals from 0-2 forward. You're talking about sometime in the 90s. So I. When was, 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 was the World
5: Cup in the, in USA? That was the last time Ireland were through past the group stages
1: (laughs) is just counting appearances (laughs) 94 was it 94 yeah i i have no i have actually no bearing on this one uh the mexico game on friday night i have no idea yeah 94 what, what to expect from it the team is crazy they have a terrible manager you know they have a terrible coach i actually think they have real talent now for once and have a base they just need an actual football mind to actually help these kids learn how to play and and kind of continue what they're learning in Europe and they they got sent overseas to learn how to play and then they roll back home and they play for an MLS manager who tells them to basically go out and play like a 4-3-3 and play like crazy people.
2: So there's the dirt. Uh, <laughs> you
1: know, that's a sk- that would actually these work. comments are getting out of hand. <laughs> they are getting out of hand, but here here's what we can expect. This is the good news. I I have to watch that game on tape delay because me and the wife have a black tie and a fancy sneaker affair for a local boys and girls club uh, that my wife um, volunteers at on Friday night. So I'll actually be going out dressed up like an adult for the first time, uh, hopefully getting drunk in public with my beautiful wife. She'll probably be telling people how much better at fantasy soccer is. she's well, the new. You won't be lying. Uh, well, of course. It won't be a lie. It'll be the truth. Um, and we'll both be able to avoid Watching the train wreck that is Mexico beat the United States probably three goals to no
0: honestly I feel like the US national team and the Turkish national team are like they bring the same frustration because there are a lot of good players playing in good leagues and good teams so you almost expect the play to be better but you know it just doesn't happen that way uh, see, like uh, Paul Bickler says, no idea why Galley continues to get emotionally invested in the national team. That's why I respect Jamie managed expectations. I'll be honest. We do not want that changing because I love the thing about international breaks that I personally love is the rants you get from Galley afterwards. So that's like the <laughs> best part of it. So speaking of, since Paul mentioned, and we all know his favorite player, let's go back to our trivia. So we... You're the Google man, Jamie. Did you Google the answer for us? I actually didn't. I didn't. I wanted some of the
5: comments were in there. So I wanted to, I was keen to know the answer to this one.
0: So 164 appearances, like I say, with him, it's kind of hard because a lot of them are, you know, clubs substituting him in at the 89th minute and things like that, I'm sure. But he has 38 goals in total. And you know what the odd thing of that is? I can recall easily like 15 of them or so like very vividly in terms of how he scored it. Because either it was like a great goal, like I remember the one he scored against Everton, the one we trashed him, I think it was like the League Cup. Like he brings this ball down, like he just caught it and put it on his foot and scores. Obviously, like the Everton 95th minute goal, the Champions League, it feels like I can remember, out of 38, because I can remember so many of goals, I actually thought it was going to be a lot higher. Your favorite... Goal from Divac, Jamie. I might know the answer, but give me your favorite goal.
5: I mean it's hard to look past Madrid. Um, because that's when you knew it was it was done, right? Um, like that's literally two seconds after that the, the, the corks were flying off the champagne bottles. Um And that's no word of a lie. Like the bar we watched it in, we absolutely soaked it. Like it it absolutely, they've still got champagne stains on the ceiling, Um, which is brilliant because it's since changed hands. And (laughs) 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 anyway, um, the champagne stains will always be there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I love the everton goal just because of the celebration i mean grabbing the ball and bringing it back to the halfway line like he wanted another like devoc doesn't know how to celebrate too much (laughs) like i loved what was it against villa where he gets the kiss in the crowd i mean he scored some
0: brilliant goals like some brilliant goals what do you have galley i mean i just out of probably the top three is obviously the corner taking quickly yeah, uh, the Everton right, and yeah. the Champions League, but I mean, which one is your favorite? It's kind of like a tough. I mean, how many attackers can we talk about, especially like a guy like Divac, and we can't decide his best goal because there's like so many big ones.
1: Yeah, I mean the. the... I won't go to the Champions League final because I kind of thought that game was over the moment I found out we were playing Spurs and not. Oh, out. <laughs> oh. But, funny. uh Yeah, I mean, it was it was for a trophy, right? I mean, it was a trophy. There was a trophy on the line that day. We all <laughs> thought Harry Kane was going to. My win. favorite, <laughs> my favorite
5: joke about Spurs was that what was it? They're playing like Donut FC because they've got nothing in the middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah so the, i i will i will say the corner taken quickly because of the moment um just the look on his face when he does it that look when he looks back at trent and he he almost looks at him to be like are they gonna let me keep this does this count is this real and he just starts running towards the corner um there was and another one- thing how many
5: goals how many goals have an actual song written after them he's only got little arms he's only got little arms <laughs>
1: Uh, But there was also one like early, early on in his career in Europe. I want to say it might have been like in a Europa League with when Rodgers was still the manager against Sevilla where he like came down the right wing and he basically took a ball off the volley and took it like chest high and kicked it into like the upper right-hand corner. It was one of those European nights. And it was right when he was like the young, when we thought he was going to kick on and become like the world superstar he was supposed to be. I mean, everybody forgets and, you know, 2014, he displaces Lukaku at the World Cup as a 19-year-old kid as a starter for Belgium. And then we sign him and send him back to Lille on a one-year, you know, it's it's supposed to be those moments and then some. And instead, he'll just be the guy who leaves on a free transfer. And we all have more memories than he actually gave us. (laughs) But who gives a shit? Because he gave us all the memories. And they were actually worth it in the long run. Because he never asked for more. He never whined about playing time. He never caused a problem. He never stirred up the grounds. He never asked for more money. Hell, he wouldn't leave when we wanted to sell him. (laughs) Because we like, this is too good. Every three months they let me play. And I score goals and they write new songs. (laughs) Someday I'm going to have a trophy. Uh, uh, Someday I'm going to have myself a big-ass statue, a clothing line. And, like, everyone in Liverpool will, will remember Divock. Like, it'll be a one-word thing in Liverpool for years to come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been, like, I think by still, obviously the
0: Champions League goal was, like, a lot of yelling was done, stuff was thrown around and stuff, just because there was a lot of relief involved in that one. Uh The the corner taken quickly, I was more than like, what the hell just happened? Did that happen? Does this count? Kind of a shock to go with it, and that game just was like an emotional, like a roller coaster train wreck. Anyway, so I will probably have to go with like Darren. What Darren is saying too with the Everton goal because it was, and like you're saying, it was such a like a classic goal. I like I have my DVR and there are certain games that I just keep there. And there are times where I just, like, play it and, like, watch it, like, almost like the live commentary in the last four minutes. Like, I know I memorized, like, Gomez and Van Dyke, you know, getting into it with, I think it was Richarlison, Gomez and Richarlison getting into it right before that oh. and stuff. And Sturridge actually, very professionally, wins that uh, free kick uh, that, you know, well, Trent rolls in
1: afterwards to Divac. What were you going to say, Gally? You mentioned Richarlison. And I, this is a complete side note. And it So this is us, the rant of the week then? Because Shame out of the on way. us for spending even a second on the scum that is the shade. But anybody who was watching the beginning of Spurs Everton, when they were getting ready to do the remembrance moment, and they zoomed through, my buddy texted me during that moment, and he had it spot on. Richarlison was basically staring at the trumpeters, almost with like a death stare that was like, you know what? I would have killed those son of a bitches too. And then as the game started, he almost looked like he had an anger about him that he was like delayed for this moment of silence with those crazy ass eyes. And for someone here who's from New England, I will say this, and I think I put this in the Discord channel. There will be like a ESPN 30 for 30 on that guy someday. And we will find out that he makes Aaron Hernandez look like an altar boy. Like, that dude's got bodies on bodies piled up, and there's only more to come. Like, that is an angry, angry, angry young man. I'd probably be angry, too, if I had to play for Benitez. But really, (laughs) look at that guy next time. There's something not right. with. As you were just
5: talking about that, Past LFC players there, to which I got to give you. I, I posted it in the Discord chat as well. This has got to be the Liverpool laugh of the week or something. It's a, a clip of uh, Jordan Shakiri <laughs> in uh, oh. League One in the Europa Europa League. And so he somebody plays him in. He's right in on the six yard box. He tries to chip the keeper, misses. Tries to jump and hang on to the the crossbar, misses <laughs> it by like six inches, and like ends up in the net. Oh, lads, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, you got to know your heights like I wouldn't even attempt that because I knew that the same thing (laughs) would happen to me. But going back to Richarlison, I have so many people I despise on the Brazilian national team. I don't have enough hate left for him. I feel like he's one of those guys that we were talking about earlier, like the shithousery guys where kind of like Suarez and stuff, where if he's on your team, you probably love him, but everybody else hates him. Because I feel like, I mean, especially on that team, that guy works a lot. I mean, in terms of like off the ball and stuff like that. I know he's a jerk and he plays for Everton, so that's a lone reason to hate him. But when you got Neymar and Jesus on the same team, my hatreds and despises kind of reserved I for know. them. But, well, but Suarez
5: celebrated against us. That was the, the like when when he scored for Barcelona, like that that really irked me. Like like even even Craig Bellamy, the biggest shit house there was, like. He was our dick as well, like Suarez was our dick. But even I think even Craig Bellamy wouldn't have celebrated against us had he scored against us.
0: I personally like that's a great discussion for someday. I personally don't have anything against that because I almost feel like not celebrating is semi-disrespectful to your new set of fans and new your team. Depends on how you celebrate, I guess. I know what you're saying, but so we went way over when we normally do, and I'm not taking the blame for this one. Uh, but uh we had like great guests, so what can you do? But Jamie, since you are on the pod, we will let the podcast end with your favorite thing to do in your choice of song, sing away, and we'll end the podcast, buddy. Take us out. We've
5: conquered all of Europe. We're never gonna stop. From
0: Paris, downtown Turkey. Thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight and commenting. And thanks to all the contributors. You can keep singing, man. Don't worry about me. I I didn't
5: want to drop too many F (laughs) (laughs) ones.
1: We've won the fucking lot.